Hello and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Pagosek. And today we are joined by a very special guest, Sarah Johnston, who's a former corporate recruiter and industry insider who got tired of seeing talented high achievers get passed over for opportunities because they did not have the right marketing documents or know-how to position themselves in interviews. She's had the privilege of helping job seekers land jobs at top startups and employers like Alphabet, Amazon, Medtronic, and Deloitte. And she's been featured in Inc., BBC, Business Insider, and more, and was named the LinkedIn top voice in the career space in 2019, and the top person to follow by JobScan in 2019, and again in 2020. She joins us from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Sarah, welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. Hey, guys. I'm so excited to be here. We're so happy to have you. So pumped. Yes. So you have this really cool brand built around the briefcase coach. Can you just kind of dive into your story a little bit more and tell us how you became that? Yeah, thank you. So I was recruiting up until a couple years ago, and it was really after I had my second child. I was on my second maternity leave. And people kept coming to me asking for career advice. They wanted resume help or they needed interviews, but I had my aha moment and realized that I had something or unique skill set that I could market and that I could really, really help people and make an impact. And so I started off as um, I went back to work and, you know, I did really enjoy my job working as a hospital recruiter, but started a side business, a side hustle. And from there, um, went on full-time and launched the briefcase coach and, and and not looking back. It's been a really good ride the last few years. That's really cool. Where did the name come from? It, it came from just my husband, actually. We were, we were brainstorming different, different business names and Googling what was still available. And it hit on my target audience, which is high achieving professionals. And I kind of like the old school, um, thought of the briefcase. I don't think many people carry a briefcase anymore, but that's a nice accessory to have. Just like I'm a nice accessory for job seekers to have. I, I am one of the best tools in their toolbox. Love wow. that. Yeah, that's a great image for sure. You've kind of brought an interesting topic to our table as a guest, which is really, really neat. Can you just kind of intro that a little bit, what you want to get out of this conversation? Because I know it's of high interest to a lot of people right now. Yeah. I mean, we're talking at a really interesting time. I mean, this is day five of self-containment for me and mm -hmm. for my family and for my kids. And it's kind of hitting a point of reality of this is our new normal. My kids are now being homeschooled by me. And as we talked about right before, you know, when we were doing some just casual chit chat before we pushed record, you know, my, my kindergarten daughter just had a virtual Zoom meeting with her kindergarten class. I mean, I never thought we would be right where we are right now today. But I also, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, didn't think I would be where I was then. I graduated college right at the recession. And my job prospects were really bleak. I was a top performer as a college student. I was president of one of the largest clubs at one of the largest state universities and thought that because I was a hard worker, because I was a high performer and a high achiever, I would get a good job. And that didn't happen for me. And it didn't happen for a lot of my friends because the economy just didn't have the opportunities available. And I remember as a 21 year old 
looking at what my options were in front of me and just seeing the short vision of my future and feeling really hopeless and feeling like this is it. My life is, is, is this job and this is the job I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I felt like I worked so hard for nothing and that my future was stripped from me. And I remember feeling so angry and upset with my circumstances. And now that I've had some space between that experience and that time, I look at these students who are about to graduate, the students from the class of 2020, and their experience is going to be like mine, but probably harder. I mean, mm -hmm. they're not even going to get to have a graduation ceremony. That's something yeah. that wasn't strict for me. You know, they're going to, they're not going to get to have their senior sorority banquet or their fraternity beach party or all those things that I got to have. These class of 2020 students aren't going to get to have these new graduates, new early career professionals aren't going to get to have, and they're going to feel really down. But 10 years later, 15 years later, I've had a good career. And I've had a really rewarding career. And, and that short time of hardness doesn't last forever. And I look at my friends, you know, a lot of them were, went to law school and finished law school during 2008 and had to wait tables. I had friends that were in construction, could not get any work. And, and some of them were just the brightest of the bright. And, you know, they were temping i mean it was it was so bad we would go to bars and, and have drinks together after work and just swap stories but but now time is like the economy's picked up jobs have picked up and they're they're in really great situations i hear you i mean this too shall pass i don't know where that expression comes from i've heard it's quite old mm -hmm. but it will pass these we don't know when it's going to end the, or how this new normal is going to kind of solidify itself. But I'm with you. Uh, this, it, it is tough to feel like we're in this moment trying to figure out what to do and what the future might look like. But all we have is the present, right? You're absolutely right. And, and I think that the important thing is to remember the long view and to remember that this is just a piece of a long career journey and just a piece of a long life and you may not it may not go the way that you thought it was going to go in 2020 but that doesn't mean that in 2030 or even 2025 it you may not be you may be rocking along and kicking along and, oh, yeah. and I'll tell you i took a job at 21 that i hated it was awful it was like I cried almost every night and I'm not even a crier, but I, I now look back on that experience and it gave me a lot of grit and a lot of focus and determination. And I use that now as an entrepreneur. And that experience is probably one of the most valuable experiences that I've had in my career. It's also amazing to hear those words of hope for people who are starting to look at this next phase. You know, we're, we're starting to feel the effects, but I'm, I'm not sure that we really fully understand the impact that this is all going to have so it's really nice to be hearing these words of hope now ahead of really getting into that place so thank you of course yeah that in itself i think is a really important message so you've had this career that has since that difficult time has re really rolled it's it's apparent at least from my perspective what are some of the other big takeaways that you took out of that 
those early days that you brought into your current career or that you possibly see other people being able to apply in theirs? When I was in the job that I didn't love, I networked like crazy. Hmm. I took every opportunity I could to meet people and to volunteer, to interact with people and to grow my network. And the thing that job seekers need to remember is that hiring will pick up and people hire people, people hire people that they like. And so you've got to use this time now to make connections, to build connections so that when hiring does pick up and it will, that you've got the right network in place. The other thing that I did, and then I hope job seekers listen in here is that I upskilled. I was underemployed. And during that time of underemployment, I upskilled and I took online classes. I participated in community forums and community seminars just to build my level of experience and exposure. And I volunteered for projects. So that would be something I'd also encourage people to do. And then beyond that, if a job seeker is listening today, one thing that I did you know, during this time that I'd recommend for job seekers is I didn't take the, my foot off the, the gas. I mean, I kept on putting myself out there. I kept on applying for opportunities and I kept on networking. And so even if you feel frustrated or feel like things are stalling out, keep on keeping on and you'll be rewarded for that. It sounds too kind of like, you know, you think of cards, your Delta hand, and it's really how you play those cards in how successful you'll be. So you're, you can't change the circumstances, but you can change how you react to those circumstances. You're so right, Lisa. And, and the other thing that I think I took from it and my fellow, I guess we're millennials, when we went through that 2008 job search crisis is we all got pretty entrepreneurial and that part of us thrived. I had a, a friend, he was in construction and got laid off in 2008, couldn't get another job as a project manager ended up starting his own company in the laundry industry and has a thriving business 15 years later in the laundry space in a major metro market. I've had other friends do similar um, out of the box things because they couldn't find work. And that's what I hope that people will, will listen in here today too. Don't feel um, limited in what you can do. Think outside the box. The other great thing that early career graduates have that we didn't have when, when I was out of school is that the healthcare changes that were implemented in 2008 and 2009 impact you. So in the US, I know that you guys are in Canada, but in the US, it can actually stay on your parents' insurance until you're 27. Hmm. So that gives you some space to freelance and do some entrepreneurial work that maybe you wouldn't have the opportunity to do if you were really desperate for some insurance. Yeah, and I acknowledge that uh, is one of the big arguments in the US sort of against just going down the entrepreneurial path is how do you answer the healthcare question if it comes up? Mm -hmm. It's very, very pertinent. So as you mentioned, it can be a tough spot as you're going through that. How did you stay positive or motivated and how can people who are in that similar situation stay positive and motivated during the job search and during that phase? You have to give yourself daily and weekly goals and keep yourself accountable. When I am coaching clients, I recommend outreach goals because that's something that you can mm -hmm. control. You can't control the number of interviews that you are invited to, but you can control the messages that you send to people and the number of coffee meetings that you set up. So set up goals for yourself. I'd also recommend, especially if you're unemployed, joining a job club 
I know on my website, I have a list of job clubs across the United States, but there's clubs all across the world. And for your international listeners, I hope that they'll consider that as an option. Um, I'm a spiritual person, and I think relying on my faith is was a really big part of what helped push me forward and helped me um, get through really tough times and just recognizing the goodness of, of God and in and, and the situation. For people who um, are looking for something else, I'd say your friends, your friends mm-hmm. know you and, and they want you to thrive. And so asking friends to speak truth into your lives and, and, and to encourage you and to keep you accountable could also be really helpful. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. It, can I ask in the work that you do, what is sort of your go-to accountability strategy? For job seekers? Um, either for that or even in terms of like how you yourself kind of keep yourself accountable in the work that you do and relating this, of course, back to people who are in a job seeking situation. I think you have to break it down. And there's a quote that says the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. Mm -hmm. And so for a job search that feels so overwhelming, the best way to tackle it is one email at a time, one connection at a time, one company research target list at a time. For me as a business owner, I give myself daily, weekly goals, daily connection goals, content goals, client goals. You got to break it down and hold yourself accountable. Cool. Love it. What do you imagine is sort of the big opportunities, learning opportunities that are going to come out of the whole COVID-19 episode when it eventually comes to a conclusion? That is such a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, beyond the political and healthcare goal, you know, all the discoveries there, which there's going to be a whole lot, I think for companies in particular and job seekers in particular, I think people are going to rock at working remotely. Hmm. And so I hope from this situation, there are more remote opportunities for people and that companies will begin to trust their employees more. And I think for women, especially, you know, women of young children like myself, having the opportunity to work remotely really opens up your career trajectory and your career prospects. So I think that from this situation, that could be incredible. The other thing that I think could come from this after we look back on it is, I hate to keep bringing this up, but a tightening of economy and Mm -hmm. some shifting in jobs. And so you'll probably see more people become entrepreneurs in the next few years. And you may see some people change careers as some industries suffer and, and change. And so I think for people listening now, doing some self-discovery and knowing what your strengths are could be really helpful as you move forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great, a great potential reality that we see a lot more entrepreneurs come out of this, this time. An entrepreneur to me is a problem solver and that way of thinking is not going to go away anytime soon. If anything, it's a mindset that's only going to be, I think, more prominent in our world. So I think that is a huge potential upside to this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you think about the future of work, people want people in the future of work, whether they're employees or whether they're entrepreneurs to think beyond restrictions. Mm -hmm. And this situation where all of a sudden we were 
you know, within a day in our homes working remotely and not, we didn't have access to the things that we had. We're thinking beyond restrictions right now to make things happen. So the skills and the, the things that we're learning now will definitely help us propel in the future. Cool. I also love the part about the remote work and how it, it opens up so many opportunities, even connecting with people like virtual coffee is such a great thing that we can do now virtual anything pretty much. So just being able to connect with people all over the world is such a great experience. Yeah, you're right. And just this human face-to-face -face interaction is helpful. And I've, I've seen even with my clients, how empathetic people have been, mm -hmm. you know, I, I would not say, and I'm just going to be really transparent that I am running at a hundred percent today. I'm probably more at like 75%. Things are not as perfect as I'd like for them to be just because my life is you know, a lot different than it was last week. Yeah. This human interaction and this human touch has just made this situation so much better. And I think just this notion of we, we're all in it together has, has connected us. Agreed. Yeah. The number of cool people that I've met in the last 10 days, it's just like, if I were to plot that on a little graph, it'd be just so exciting to, for me to look at. And I'm, I hope other people are doing something similar in their lives. Yeah, me too. Very cool. Um, if we zoom out for a moment and kind of look at people who are maybe a little further down the road in their career, do you think that the job search prospects um, that, that they may be facing in their transition will be just as challenging as for those who are coming out of school? I think it's going to be challenging for, for everyone. For yeah. For early career professionals, they haven't proven themselves, and we are now a society that likes people to be niche. And so when you don't have experience, it's harder to be niche. That being said, I think there's going to be some people who are very niche, who are senior professionals, where maybe a job search would typically take them five to seven months. It could take them double in this in this new economy. I, I hope that's not true, knock on wood. Mm -hmm. um, but just looking at what happened in 2000, 2008, that could be something to think about. Yeah. Hey, history happens and we record it for a reason. So I'm, I'm glad you draw on that. As a LinkedIn top voice, you've clearly developed your own voice. I mean, for the lack of a better way of, of putting it. And how important do you think it is for people who are driven in their careers to develop and hone their own voice? Well, first, let me say this. I cannot believe it, it never in my wildest hmm. dreams would I have thought that I would be a LinkedIn top voice or that people would like the things I put on LinkedIn or enjoy my content. I don't consider myself a content writer. It just, it just has been something that's progressed for me and something that um, I've, I've learned over time and learned through putting myself out there and being vulnerable and taking chances. But to answer your question, William Maruda said it best, and this was at a career thought leaders conference last year. People make first impressions now digitally before they make them in person. So you met me first on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and you got to know my LinkedIn persona before we've even had this conversation or before we've even engaged. So you made some decisions about me based on what I write before we even met. And hopefully, you know, what you're seeing now and what you saw online are, are similar. So the beauty of putting content out there on LinkedIn is that then you get in people's search algorithms or, or then you show up on their homepage. 
So whereas before they didn't know who you were, now they're click on, clicking on your profile and they find themselves interested in your career story because you have an optimized LinkedIn profile that tells a first person narrative of who you are and the value that you bring to an organization. And then they wanna learn more about you. And that's when the real beauty happens. If you can take a conversation from LinkedIn to in person, mm -hmm. that's when you can make real connections and real opportunity happens for collaboration. Yeah, totally. That's exactly how this interview came to be. So I'm a big fan of that method. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. On that topic, because I engage with a lot of young people who are not doing what you've just suggested in terms of creating content for LinkedIn like how can someone who is right at the beginning of their career take that first step in terms of putting themselves out there? I'll tell you what I did. Yeah. And somebody could take what I did and do it as well. I would just read articles that interested me. And since my topic or my expertise, and I use quotation marks when I said that, is job search, interview prep, and personal branding. So I would read high level articles about the topics that I cared about and that my target audience cared about. And then when I was just starting to create content, I would share an article that I liked and then I would add my own two cents and I'd tag the person who wrote the article to build up a relationship with that person. Mm. And so that strategy helped me meet a lot of thought leaders who were writing about the stuff that I cared about and that my target audience cared about. And then I got a little bit bolder after I tried this strategy for a few months and it started working for me. Then I started writing some of my own posts. And then I challenged myself to write four business days a week, new post, hmm. four business days a week. And it was really hard at first. I mean, it was like, a, it took me 30 minutes to, to crank out a post every time I did because I would overthink it. And now I can write a post in about five minutes because I know my stuff and I know how to craft a post because I've done it four business days a week for the last three years. It just, it, it comes, it's a lot easier. The other thing to remember is in order to craft good content, you have to read a lot. You have to be reading great quality articles. And therefore when you're reading a lot and you're writing a lot, it's a lot easier to, to craft post. Mm-hmm. That's a great point for sure. Yeah. What a great tip. A lot of content creators are also great content consumers as well. It's, they can't yeah. really exist without, without that element. Cool. Yeah. You've given us so much great information and great ideas for going forward. Is there anything else that you can think of that helped you as you were going through your job search at that time that you would want job seekers now to know as they navigate? I think the tried and true methods work in any economy, whether it's a down economy or a good economy. And the tried and true method is building out your target list of companies. Who do you want to work for? Who are, what companies have problems that you want to solve? And then looking at your own network, who in my network do I know? Who's a connector? Who knows great people? Who knows people at my target list of companies? And then do your informational interviews. Informational interviews for me have always been the secret sauce to my job search. We, we didn't talk about this, but I have a spouse that has moved us every three years. His career has made us move to new cities. So I've had to reinvent myself over and over and over again because we've moved. 
And informational interviews have always been how I've landed jobs. And they've often been with people that I didn't know that I just found on LinkedIn or found on a company website, wrote a targeted email to, and you know, magic happened when we got together and met in person. That's really cool. So we try not to take ourselves too seriously here at the Career Builders podcast. Um, so we like to ask, what would you say is the most fun that you've had in your career so far? You know, it's the teams that I've worked on that have been really fun, the people that I've gotten to work with. I look at every opportunity that I've ever had and I've worked with some really, really wonderful people. I'm still, I mean, I think you heard a beep just then. I'm really sorry, I'm embarrassed, but it was a text chain from one of my jobs five years ago of friends that I still keep in touch with. And I think at the heart of every job, even if it was a bad job, are great people. And, and that's been the most fun that I've had. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. That says something too. You look back Absolutely. and see that you still got those great connections. So another thing that we like to talk about is risk because almost everyone that we talk to is faced some sort of risk in their career. So what is the biggest risk that you've taken in your career and how did it turn out? Starting my own business was so scary. Um, I, I remember the first time I changed my LinkedIn profile to reflect that I was now an entrepreneur and I debated that change for probably three days before I officially made it happen. It, it just felt so vulnerable. What if I failed? What would people think about me? I'm a career coach. You know, how, you know, all, all of those feelings went through my head. And, you know, I, I think I was the one who needed to convince myself that mm -hmm. I could do it. My friends didn't need the convincing. They, they knew all along. They'd been asking me for support and advice all along. It was me that felt like an imposter and that I needed to, to give myself that self-talk. That's so true. Mm -hmm. And how has that turned out for you? I'm still doing it. I, I, you know, I, I love what I do and I am so thankful that every single day I get to wake up and help people find joy and satisfaction in their work. And, and you guys are in a similar role, but I think the biggest thing that I love is that the work that we do is deeply personal. Mm -hmm. And especially as tides and the economy changes, I mean, we help people provide for their families. We help people find more meaning and satisfaction in the work that they do and the life that they have. Um, we help people get out of poverty if, if they're unemployed. I mean, every day I just feel so excited to get to do what I do. And it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have taken that leap of faith and, and started my own business. Wow. I'm feeling that one. That's pretty amazing. Absolutely. Uh, to kind of to go back really quickly to what you said earlier about having sort of your digital footprint match or hopefully match your in-person real persona. I got to say, not only is it like bang on, if anything, it's like even better at getting oh. this chance to actually have this conversation with you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So the last question that we have for you is what is the best piece of career advice that you have ever received? I think the biggest piece of career advice that I've been given and that's never let me down is to do things the right way and the ethical way. And you'll have no regrets. And if you do things with a people first mindset of how can I care for people well, then at the end of the day, you know, you've, you've done your best. Hmm. I love that. And that's so Very important good. right now as well. 
Absolutely. And, and, and to your point, I think people are going to remember companies and, and corporations who have valued their employees and who have really walked the walk and who have done their best to prevent layoffs. In two years, people are going to measure companies by how they responded during this crisis. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I actually just saw a, a picture of somebody saying that um, one of their interview questions now for companies in the future is going to be, how, how did you handle your employees during the, the COVID-19 crisis? And no, it's definitely a consideration now. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Can you talk a little bit about how people can find out more about you and the work that you're doing? Yes, great question. You can check me out at www.briefcasecoach.com. That is my personal website and um, access to me if you are interested in interview prep, uh, resume writing, or job search coaching. I also launched a business with three other career coaches who I respect and admire. And our business is called Job Search Secret Weapon. And you can find that at www.jobsearchsecretweapon.com. And that's for professionals who maybe can't afford one-on-one -on -one coaching or one-on-one -on -one resume writing. We've got a lot of do-it-yourself templates and resources for people on that platform. Yeah, very, very cool. We've had one of your business partners, Adrian Tom, on this show. And now that we're at the 50% mark in terms of employment, in terms of interviewing the full headcount of your company, yeah. it's, I feel like we have a fairly intimate um, understanding of, of the kind of people who are running this. So I, I definitely encourage our listeners to check that out. Well, thank you so much. And Adrian is awesome. I'm so thankful that we got connected and I think you should interview Virginia and Anna as well because they're both rock stars. Okay. Challenge yeah. accepted. I'll go track them down. <laughs> we'll call it a week with this. This was a wonderful conversation with Sarah Johnston for the Career Builders podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Kosek. And we will be with you again soon. Bye for now.